wait a minute, wait a turn, minute. On the radio. turn on the radio My homie got a new show and it's time to play it's it though play I it hope right. you got in tune, got he in talking tune. bigger business big He make a lot of moves Welcome to the Startup Showcase, I'm your host Scott Katoom You're listening to WGM Radio AM 720 We've got a, a long show today The powers that be here at WGN Radio have entrusted me with an extra half an hour In this beautiful brand new studio Which I am currently snapping if you follow me, you follow us at Technoran Snapchat I am wearing spectacles, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, I wrote an article about it, and then obviously the article drew enough attention that the the the, the kings and kingmakers and queens over at Snapchat called me this weekend and said, can I set up a call with them on Monday to talk about my feedback about spectacles? And so I have a lot of it, and I'm going to share it with you guys first. Uh, but we've got another other kind of surprises in the show today. Uh, I want to say hello to, first off, uh, my executive producer, Sam, who's joining us for the show. Sam, hello. Hello. Welcome to see you. And then, Sean, can you tell me, what what is it, Mike 5? What number are you? F- five. Mike 5. Welcome to the show. That's Sean Frillick. What up, buddy? Thanks for letting me shake off the dust. Of course. Yeah, that's right. You've hosted uh, multiple of these shows, so that's that's all obviously a, a nice welcome to have you back in here. Uh, so to kind of set the cast for the show, we're going to talk about uh, spectacles, obviously. Uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of podcasts that we had in the recent week just because the news sort of broke like right around and right after uh, we did it, and that was the Home Chef deal, um, and having a chance to talk to a couple of really cool operators and their businesses about um, you know how they stay relevant. Uh, so this could go a lot of ways. Um, but also, of course, we've mentioned before, the show is called the Startup Showcase, and sometimes we get away from that. Like last week, we talked about anti-bullying, which I thought was an important uh, issue to take a pause and, and discuss. But we are back on track this week, you know, mostly because we have extra time, but we're back on track. So we're going to have two companies calling in. Uh, at one thirty. we're going to have Radio Public, uh, which is raising capital on republic.co. Uh, you can register at republic.co slash register. It's pretty simple. Um, easy. You can put your money in. You can put 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 1,000 bucks, pretty much anything up to 10,000, I think. Uh, and then after 10,000, you're going to have to be a rich guy to be able to put a lot of money in. Uh, and the other company is going to be calling it as Hempster, and that's going to be after 2 o'clock. Which excites me, one, uh, because we'll probably end up talking about pod on the radio, which is always funny. Uh, and then also because that means I'm on the air after 2 o'clock, which means my show's longer, which means I get to talk more, which makes me happy. Uh, so at any rate, we're going to take a quick break here. And then we're going to come back and spend the next like 15 minutes talking about spectacles. And I'll probably wear more of them and we will share, reshare the story I wrote about spectacles on our Facebook page. So if you want to follow us on Facebook uh, at Technori, follow us on Twitter at Technori. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Snap at Technori, at Technori, at Technori. Uh, and last but not least, uh, I would love to have people call into the show, anyone who is into spectacles or wants to know about them and things like that. Or if you have questions regarding investing in startup companies, uh, as we start to transition uh, to less Sox games due to the fact that they are not on prime time and probably not going to make the playoffs for the next seven or eight years, uh, why don't we... Uh, focus more on the startup companies calling into the show and letting you invest in them. So before we start doing that, why don't you call me and ask me questions about how to do it, and I give you the answers. See how this works? Uh, you are listening to Scott Katoon. Eventually, you'll be listening to Sam Fisk and Sean Freilich here at WGN Radio AM 720. The fun home. Speaking of bringing the fun home, I brought my crew with me here home at our new home at WGN Radio. Uh, so I want to welcome back Sam and, of course, Sean. We are going to enter this little conversation for the remainder of this until the one thirty break. After that, we're going to have our first startup showcase call in. Uh, I'm going to talk about spectacles. I don't know. Have you got either of you guys ever used spectacles? I've never put one on. No. Do you want to? Yeah, I've got them right here. You can. Can put we do a live on. take? Can I here. see them without my glasses on? Let's I have catch. a high prescription. 
Yeah, that might be a problem. You might be a little crooked on that one. But so the gist, the gist for those of you who don't know, Snapchat. I'm going to assume most people know what Snapchat is. If you don't, uh, well, this is probably the wrong show for you. Uh, at any rate, Snapchat is essentially for me. It was something that I didn't really enjoy. I didn't like the idea of just like this random picture that like disappeared and you can comment. I just don't understand. I don't understand the fascination with filters and all this stuff. Uh, it's always selfies and, and just a selfie world, and it's not for me, and I don't belong in it, and so I've avoided it. And they came out with this tool, uh, a wearable, a few, uh, I guess it was a year and a half ago, uh, called Spectacles. And they are essentially sunglasses that have gla- that have a camera on it. And everywhere you go, you can take pictures and you can stream video, you know, 10-second clips of video. Uh, and share it on your Snapchat account, and people who follow you on Snapchat can kind of watch the world you live in. The first version had some hiccups. It was some there were some structural problems. The camera didn't have a light that was clear to see, so people didn't know you were shooting them, which is not ideal. Uh, as I was discussing uh, in between shows with Amy Guth, uh, not ideal to have someone snap sh- shots of you that you don't know about. Um, and then in general, it just like synced up funky, funky to the to the phone. Uh, and so I gave the second pair a try, and as I mentioned in the beginning of this, I'm going to talk to Snapchat people on Monday about my experience. And so they sent me these glasses. I tried them on. Um, I I am a Snapchat user as of current because of the glasses. I took them with me on my early honeymoon to Italy and Amalfi and Rome, and I cheated at the Sistine Ta- Chapel and snapped the entire thing. Uh, despite them repeatedly saying, do not take pictures, you do not have the rights to take pictures, I did take pictures, I took videos of the Sistine Chapel so everyone could watch it. I walked through St. Peter uh, with these on, I walked through the Colosseum with these on, I uh, spent a lot of time drinking a lot of bottles of rosé on Amalfi Coast with these on, and so people got to like ride along with me, and the quality of the camera is insane, it's like 360 degree stuff, it's amazing. Um and so I wrote this piece, which we just posted to Facebook right now, Facebook slash tech, uh, facebook.com slash technori, and you can read it. It's sort of my interpretation of, of spectacles, but I guess I want to ask before we talk about how spectacles can change the, the dynamics for this company that went public and has sort of just hung around, to say the least, since then, and I, I think this is a unique thing. So before we get into the technical part, I want to kind of find out from you guys, Sean and Sam, you know, Yo. what... What is your experience using Snapchat? Like, what what is it something you use, and what do you like, don't like? Well, first off, Scott, you said cheated when you were talking about being on your honeymoon. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm just and and in the Vatican, nonetheless. Yeah, so, so I, I like double cheated there. A lot of uncomfortable connections there. Just well, kidding. No, it's it's true though. Like they told me, I probably should have used a different word. Cheated was not the choice word there. Uh, I apologize if uh, if Jen is listening. That's I did not cheat on you. Uh, I cheated on the Sistine Chapel. They told me right. I guess they they don't let you have the rights of the photos and stuff. So you like they keep saying like do not take pictures and cameras. Turn off your cameras. Meanwhile, uh-huh. I'm like walking around with the glasses on to shoot yeah. and film everywhere. And they're pretty nondescript glasses. I remember the first version of the spectacles looking a little Willy Wonka like. They were yeah. or a little very too obvious. Yeah, and they well they had the yellow. They were like yellow circles. Yeah, but apparently. I never actually saw the first pair. I mean, I saw them, but I never used them. Apparently, you couldn't really clearly tell, particularly in sunlight, if the person was shooting video. So, obviously, if you're a girl and there's somebody like stalking you, not ideal. But what would you say are your experiences using Snapchat in particular? It's gone less every year. Really? It used to be something I got into in like 2012, and it's just sort of dropped off the face of the earth since then. Everyone uses Instagram. Why would you go back to... A platform that gives you less. 
So that's a really interesting comment because like that that has been indicative of their stock performance as well. Is that people your age and un, under or not? It used to be this cool thing, and now it seems like it's really not this cool thing anymore. Uh, Facebook bought Instagram and then immediately stole all of the features that were cool about Snapchat. So, what is it about Instagram that you like? Well, I was never a big fan of everything just disappearing as you know within twenty four hours of posting. This um, episode is brought to you by Lacroix, by the way. Is I pop of my first Lacroix. Yeah, free branding. Free branding. Um, yeah, there's just a little bit more permanence to Instagram, and th- I mean that's that's always been the so that's the, been the thing that got got me. Uh, I'm not really an Instagram either. I don't understand people who can sit there and just scroll through photos of people. Like I, just, I don't get it. Like I go to Facebook and I look at my own profile because I'm kind of an arrogant person. But in general, like I just didn't understand it. But I will say, going back to college, Scott, when Evan Spiegel started Snapchat, he and his partners were looking for something that they could send naughty pictures back and forth and delete immediately. Uh, because that is a problem for collegians who are sending pictures that they shouldn't, that somebody has them, and they're on the internet now. Um, and so I understood the use case there, but I knew that it wasn't a scalable business. Like, you can't scale a tool for sending naughty pictures to everybody. Like, that doesn't work because some people, you know, are decent humans and don't do such things. Uh, as they started to transform it, it was something that you could quickly snap, throw you a quick thing back and forth. It was funny and cool, and I liked it. But the thing that kept me off of it is I... I have a really good memory, but it's also sort of fleeting. I like to reread what I send people. I, I get very uh, nervous about typos or about writing the wrong thing or saying something that you might find you know insulting or whatever and like misunderstand. And so I go back and reread my stuff a lot. Well, you can't do that with that. You can't watch the stuff more than once. And, and so I was like, this sucks. I'm not using it. So I went to Instagram. I never really caught on with it. I, I didn't catch on with it because of the reason that I'm we're going to talk about now, which is the snap, the spectacles thing. I thought if I was going to be on Instagram, the only things I found funny were kitty cat videos. I saw one, uh, Jen, fiance Jen showed me one yesterday of a guy dragging a dog down the hall of like a, whatever, like a porcelain floor. And the dog wasn't even moving out. It was like dying laughing. Cause it reminds me of my own dog. I can watch stuff like that. Um, but, I don't understand selfies. I don't really understand like taking a picture of myself with like crazy filter face. Uh, but I do understand watching a friend do something wacky. I do understand going out when we do a shoot or we do something on the show and you and I are sort of ch- chatting and we, we take a picture or a video of us like we did at legends and things like I understand that. And so with the spectacles, what I saw is that I could, I could include my people in my life and everyone else could see the world that I was living. You could see my life through my eyes rather than this like distilled photo that I created and then edited the crap out of that isn't real. And so that, that's the part that to me, it's like if we could bring that to Instagram, which I'm sure Facebook's working on a, a steal right now, I feel like that if there was ever a chance for Snapchat to get back in the game, th- this spectacles is the one. The problem is they spent $140 million building spectacles the first time and they had to write it off. And that's a lot of money. Well, and I think they, you know, this is a way of getting back into the video and image side of things. I, I think when you, you look at, like, the reports from the beginning of this year, uh, there there's, like, a study that's come out that's shown that Snapchat messaging is the most popular part of that platform. Yes. Which is... Is not int- ideal. But- it, yeah, it's interesting to me because, like you said, um, you can't check back and see what you wrote. Conversely, the person that's reading your your nasty message isn't going to be able to see the same, yeah. that message over yeah. and over again. Maybe maybe one time because you get yeah. a replay. Um, but it's just so interesting that a, that an app that started with 
images and then videos like text is the most important part of that yeah this is spectacles as a way of like opening that back up and, and i think that's a really quite literally a very good observation because i i think that that we we talk about this all the time in simplicity of business models and startups which we'll have startups calling in shortly here after the break but um you want to have something simple that makes sense. And it's one of those things where it's like, if your mission is to create this video world and the whole platform is built for video, but the only thing that's making money or making any popularity is text, things aren't going well Mm-mm. like that. That's kind of a clear thing that said, what I do think about Snapchat and the text features that are cool is that you can do, I can send you a video of what I'm especially paired with spectacles. I can send you a video of something I'm doing right now with text on it, or I can do whatever. And I can send it to people who I probably wouldn't communicate with regularly. I have, I don't know, like 3000 people following one way or another on Snapchat. I don't even use the damn thing, but like I can, I can reach out to a person because I saw something really, really funny and send it to them and then not have the repercussion of like this random text message still sitting at the top of the, of the line, like if you ever thought, like see, like a, particularly if you're dating, you guys both have girlfriends. If you're dating someone and you see a girl you know who you're friends with, you're just friends. Like you didn't do anything. Like you're, you're a good dude. You didn't do anything. Just friends. And I and I was like, oh my god, it was so funny to see you the other day. And I know I have your number, so I texted him like, hey, it was so great to see you. It was like funny. It was completely innocuous. Like there's nothing bad there. Nothing's gonna happen. However, your girlfriends will open your phone and see that, and they will not have the same thought process. They're gonna be like, what in the hell are you doing? Why did you text this person? That, that opens up a whole other conversation about phone boundaries. Yes. Well, so I have learned, this is, it's bit me in the butt a few times, but I've learned to just stick with it and write it out. My policy is my password's your password. You got nothing to hide. I got nothing. Yeah. So like if I get caught doing something stupid, I'm on it. Like it's me. I did something dumb, but like, I just give it like Jen, everybody has all my passwords. You guys have my passwords too. Jen, everybody has all my passwords. If you want to read it, like I just, I'm a pretty open book. I do things really dumb and make a lot of stupid mistakes. If she's listening, she's thinking of all of them now, but like in general, I try to be kind of upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Snapchat, I guess technically gives me a little bit of an out there because right. I can, I can snap a few things to people and they snap back to me and then it goes away and no one's the wiser. Yeah, it's interesting that there's no, technically no paper trail and all that data is kept somewhere. Oh, yeah. But that's been the appeal of Snapchat to me is it's always felt like a more, less public-facing uh, platform for communication as opposed to Instagram where it's like, yeah, I'm showing this for the public and using it to brand myself. But on Snapchat, you're going to get more of the real me. I feel like I can just let those defenses down because I know it's not going to be seen by the world. It's just going to be seen by my inner network. Yeah. And like you said earlier, I like that point where you get to look into the life as it happens for people. And that's just an element that you don't get on any of the other platforms. So I'm more of like a Snapchat defender. I still like the platform. I have fun with it. I feel like it's more personalized, as I said, than the other platforms. We have 30 seconds left. What are, what are some of the fun things you do with it, Sean? I, I would love to know how you use it. I like Snap. to make stickers, like... I just take a funny photo and uh, turn it into a sticker. I don't know if the other platforms have stickers, but then like you just have this catalog of weird stickers. Like I have my girlfriend is really into yoga and she taught me uh, standing on my head yeah. finally after 25 years and I can do it. And I have a sticker of it. I have a sticker of that moment and I could add a little pinache to anything I say. Like when I'm dunking on someone, I'll just stand instead do a handstand. Nice. There you go. Very cool. Well, we are going to take a quick break here. I imagine we'll come back uh, with a quick break before the news, correct? Yeah. So we'll take a quick break here. You're listening to Sean and his stand on his head stickers and Sam, uh, who had a pretty killer point of spectacles. If you are looking into spectacles, you can just go to Snapchat.com. I think even spectacles.com and try them out. I think you should try them out. They're worth it. They're a little like 150 bucks, but 
It's worth it. Uh, I'm Scott Katoon. You are listening to the Startup Showcase on WGN Radio AM 720. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. We skipped the music because we got more time. Take our time. We want to have a good time chatting with you. Got my guys in here. Uh, and we are about to... I guess do that thing where we come back into the startup showcase moment. We're going to have, it feels like it's been a little while. I mean, every time we, you know, we've got the Sox games like all the time, they interrupt the show and it's really hard to have continuity. Cause you're like, I want to have a startup showcase theme and have two a week, but then you got to reschedule them because you know, I don't know, some white Sox player does something. Then they got to talk about that. Cause they got like this really good deal with them, which I love. I used to, I grew up as a Sox fan, but I mean, you know, I think the startup showcase is the best. Um, and so, I want to uh, bring in the uh, the guest of the uh, this startup showcase event, which is going to be Repu- uh, Radio Public. And before we get into that, I want to make sure that you know uh, that you can invest in Radio Public live right now on Republic.co backslash I assume Radio Public. Uh, Jake will tell us that. But uh, Jake Sh- Jake Shapiro, are you with us right now? Yes, I am. Hi, awesome. Very cool. How's Martha's Vineyard? It sounds great. So <laughs> we lucked out, and it's a beautiful day. Looking out on Edgartown Harbor as we speak, so hopefully the connection is strong, but it's a beautiful sight. You're you're all good. I wish I was there with you. Uh, okay, so <laughs> here's the deal: you have three minutes right now to pitch exactly what Radio Public is, what they do, how you do it, and how people can use it or get involved with it or whatever. So I'm going to give you three minutes right now, and then we're going to ask you some questions and decide whether or not we and the listening public want to invest our hard-earned <laughs> dollars in you. So, ready? You have three minutes starting now. That's great. So Radio Public is a podcast listening app. We help listeners discover, engage with, and reward the creators of podcasting. As hopefully you and I'm sure your listeners know, podcasting is exploding. It's been around for almost 15 years, but in the last couple of years has finally hit a tipping point where there's now 73 million Americans listening monthly to podcasts, a huge influx of new publishers and new content, and finally a business model that's arriving mostly in terms of ad-driven support for these shows. But there's been a missing marketplace in the middle. Um, Apple, which, of course, is synonymous almost with podcasting, has ever never actually prioritized it as a business. Um, they don't monetize on the platform. They've certainly helped its growth, but they're also only available on iOS. Uh, we're finally seeing bigger platforms like Spotify and Google take notice, but they aren't actually focused on that as a primary product in their strategy either. And so we've seen, from our point of view, um, a missing middle where the opportunity to bring both listeners, podcasters, and brands together in the listening environment itself on app um, is something that we've driven an edge around from our origins um, first, having started PRX. So I was the co-founder and CEO of a company called PRX, which is the number three podcast publisher, distributed shows like The Moss and This American Life and the Radiotopia Network. Um, reaching over 70 million downloads a month worldwide. And we, for a long time, were sitting on the publisher side and had run many crowdfunding campaigns and ways of growing our shows, like 99% Invisible and Song Exploder. And it always drove us crazy that we couldn't get any data or engagement or opportunity to invite listeners in the place where they're listening on a phone to actually take action. So it's a little crazy that the state of art of podcasting is that you hear an ad from Casper Mattress and you're supposed to write down a promo code on a napkin and run back to your browser and type it in when you're actually listening on a phone that you could take an action rate in that moment. So we launched Radio Public two years ago, spun it out of PRX as a separate company, raised a seed round of capital from investors like the New York Times, Bose Corporation, PRX, American Public Media, many of the strong strategic publishers in the space, and set about to build that missing interface. And a lot of the focus on the consumer side has been on discovery. We have a full-time in-house podcast librarian who does a lot of curation by hand, 
as well as a lot of algorithms that help surface new shows for recommendations. But a lot of the focus has been on a B2B2C strategy, helping the publishers have access to the tools, data, engagement, monetization they don't get on any other platform. And that strategy has been very successful. It saw the first 12 months of our launch from zero to over 600,000 monthly active users. We immediately launched on iOS, Android, and web simultaneously, with the thesis being if you have universal access for every link to be shareable on the web, um, this would be both onboarding in a frictionless way for new listeners, particularly since there's a growth of an audience, majority of the planet, who still doesn't know what a podcast is. So even as you need to design for people who are you know, faithful to the format and have their favorite shows, majority of people still don't know what a podcast is or how to get it. They're confused by it all. So we wanted to crack the nut of the user experience while helping publishers with their core strategy of growing an audience and monetizing it on Radio Public. So that, in a nutshell, I don't know how far into the three minutes we are, is sort of the pretty much hit on the head. First line, great job, (laughs) good. Um, And so, I guess uh, with that said, so a couple questions I have just to clarify uh, for those listening. So, am I as a podcast listener? Am I going to be going to Radio Public to find my podcast? Yes. So you can download a free app or go to the website, radiopublic.com. We have all the universal catalog. So there's uh, over 400,000 podcasts available. So you go there, find it. If you can't find it, we can add it instantly. And if you are a podcaster, you can make sure that your show is available at going to podcasters.radiopublic.com and adding your link. And what is the advantages for the podcaster, as I am one, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. what, what are the advantages for me to use you? I mean, obviously, I understand that there's a monetization sure. piece here, but what are the advantages for me to use you, say, versus, um, you know, getting traditional sponsors and putting them on my show in the, in the actual content and then posting them to wherever? Well, we definitely advocate that you do all of the above, and so we certainly think podcasters should continue, and as they reach a critical mass of listenership, should try to sell their own ads in their show. Yeah. We offer the additional ability to monetize on Radio Public through a program called Paid Listens, where we pay for each listen on our platform at a $20 CPM. So for any podcaster, is a non-exclusive. You can continue to distribute your show everywhere, but you have the additional benefit and hopefully incentive of driving your listenership to Radio Public because we pay you for listens there. We then, in turn, get the right to sell an on-platform Form ad interstitially, which right now we're doing very minimally, but it's an interstitial ad that unit that we get in front of each show that participates. But that's an opt-in for each producer. But the additional benefits are you get these universal links, a universal embed player, a way to drive conversions from the web to mobile listening where you can do more subscriptions. So we've done partnerships with Medium and WordPress to make it possible to drive the huge web listening audience, which mostly is top of funnel. We find from our data that listeners don't listen long form on the web. They tend to sample and discover, and then they want to click to take it to go. And that's where our embed players and link really work. I, I absolutely love this. The, so the other part of this that is, I think, interesting is, and I'm, I'm going to botch the name because I obviously never used it, uh, but it's like essentially ad roll for podcasts where you have enough plays that you get this ad roll that automatically gets played in the front or the back of some of these shows. And it is, in my mind, incredibly distracting. It's sort of like in YouTube when you put my videos on YouTube right. and somebody else's ad is playing on there and I have no control over right. it. It's not brand aligned at all. And it's yeah. it's honestly it's actually distracting to the people who are watching the video. Like, they're not going to watch anymore because you just threw a seven second thing that I can't get past. Um, yes. Where you know how 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 do you make that that experience the advertising experience better for the listener themselves? Well, we, there's a couple things. One is that one of the benefits of podcast advertising is host-read ads that are natively performed, that are integrated into the sound of the show, that aren't just dropped in like radio ads, yeah. or as you point out, some of the sort of YouTube-style ads. 
Um, we know as a platform that's born out of the podcast community that we need to achieve that kind of seamless integration. So we are working with both the ad um, copy and the performers and hosts to read ads that work well in that format that match against the show. We also know that um, through data, who's listening to what show. So if you tend to listen a lot to 99% Invisible, you might get a, a host-read show from Roman in front of another show. Um, so there's ways of being much more creative about how the ad units are treated. We think we're still in the infancy of how the podcast ads uh, should work. And because it's a growing medium, we want to make sure to learn the lessons that have been lost um, on other channels. Uh, and my last question, so did you, I think you said this, but if you didn't, if you could repeat it, the, how many listeners, so you mentioned you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of podcasts on this platform. Yes. How many listens are taking place on Radio Public now? So we have, um, I think we've crested 650,000, maybe close to 700,000 monthly active okay. uh, users. An average listener is listening 72 minutes a day, which is really an extraordinary wow. amount for That's, sort yes, of mobile insane amount app for usage. Mobile podcast. And a lot of that has been because we focus a lot on new listeners and discovery. There's radio mode, where if they don't know what to play next, we start surfacing recommended episodes. We have a new feature called stations, which are essentially like channels. You can select news and information, and it'll just continuously play episodes from that collection of shows. And so there are a variety of ways that we've helped really encourage that mode of discovery, um, which hopefully then surfaces a longer tale of podcasters trying to reach that audience. Well, I have a feeling you're going to find the Technori podcast on Radio Public very soon. <laughs> you definitely can. <laughs> that's, that's my <laughs> assumption. Uh, so let's give people the uh, go-ahead of where they need to go in order to be invest in you and participate give us a little bit of quick wrap on that sure so the url as you pointed out is republic.com slash radio public so it's a nice synchronicity but you got to make sure republic.com and then slash radio public to directly invest in radio public um it's the minimum investment is 50 dollars, which is nice and quite low we actually have some interesting perks at different levels um, we recommend that everybody who invests can also recommend a, their favorite podcast, which we then will feature in the page on the um, Explore tab for the Radio Public app. Um, and then we also, interestingly, um, through Republic, are able to offer different terms, beneficial terms to podcasters themselves. So podcasters get an additional investment benefit. If they invest directly, they get a 20% discount on the round as opposed to what everybody else gets, which is a 10% discount. Um, and that's really a nice feature of the crowd equity financing is that we can offer differentiated terms. We believe it's important to help podcasters gain the value that they're helping give us when we build a platform on behalf of them and their content. So we want them investors, stakeholders, owners, and advocates for what we're doing. Well, I appreciate that as a podcaster. I will be taking advantage of that. I normally have a conversation with my people after the show to talk about which ones we want to invest in, but I can tell you right now that my decision's already been made and you will be invested in it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, and potentially thank reached you. out after the show because I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Uh, Jake, thank you so much for taking the time. Be safe in Martha's Thanks Vineyard. So much, Scott. Uh, and, uh, All right, I appreciate it. Have a we'll, we'll, see you, we'll see you out on the airwaves. Stay tuned. Sounds good. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Yep. Well, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about that as uh, we're kind of audio files in this WGN Radio uh, area here. Go figure. So you're listening to Scott Katoon on WGN Radio AM 720, and we'll be back after this break. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. You're listening to WGN Radio AM 720. Joined by my affectionately called goons, Sean and Sam. Uh, we just sat there and listened to Radio Public. Uh, and obviously, we run a podcast that's fairly successful. And so it's kind of interesting for me to hear it from a business person's side. Um, we have been fortunate enough to sign sponsors like Salesforce and Trinet and Jones & Sale and Bank of America and several others. Uh, that we're able to do the advertising inside of the podcast and it gets us a lot more control. We get to keep more of the money, uh, which is important in the content world uh, to own your content and own that. 
the model that seems to exist elsewhere is this sort of like shared YouTube thing where like you post the content, we bring thousands or millions of views, and then we po- throw our ads on the top of it, and that's the end of it. I like the the diversity that their model has uh, to be able to have some ads and stuff that you agree in on and, and so forth. So uh, what what is your, I guess, Sam, what is your takeaway from listening to Radio Public? I mean, I, I really like the idea, and I... I was just a little disappointed we didn't get a little more time to, to hear him flush out uh, more of the analytics and insights uh, side of the business. I feel like, like he, uh, Jake said it best, I mean, I think podcasts are very much in the infancy stage when it comes to monetization, and there's a lot of metrics that I don't think we've necessarily had access to. So I think, honestly, just taking a flyer and throwing 50, 100 bucks to invest just to just to see what that platform looks like, I mean... I'm in. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think for me, what what I, to your point about the analytics, so this has always been this, like, this, it's always been a, a problem for all media. What is a click? What is an impression? What is it worth? What is a million? Like, the return rate, to give you an example, uh, millions of emails on an email, like, email uh, campaign. If you got 1% of opens in the emails, you'd be a legend. The market average is less than 1%. It's like 0.5%, 0.25% open rate for emails. That's how bad the percentages are in conversion. And podcast is me is unique. That like You might have millions of podcasts, but no one cares about. But the ones that do people do care about, like for me, I'm a huge fan of the Mark Maron podcast, the, the WTF podcast. I listen to it all, literally everything, all the way down to him saying, Boomer lives. Like I, I get the whole kit and caboodle, as they say. And so, if you're so, so for Mark Maron, he sells Squarespace, is who he's usually repping. They get a really passionate listener, a listener who's paying deep attention, who remembered the fact that I remember Mark Maron's sponsor is Squarespace means that it works. That's how deeply I am in it. I couldn't tell you the sponsor of anything else that I watch. Uh, and so, I've always said, and this has been the pitch that I've made to our sponsors, is that those who listen to our, our podcast, they will remember. They will know. I, I can tell you that. I mean, I can. I tell you, uh, Simply Safe is another sponsor of his. Casper is another sponsor of his. Like, I actually remember his sponsors. That's how deeply uh, t- tuned in I am with it. Um, but that said, the metrics that podcasts require is not just downloads because download doesn't mean anything anymore. It's plays, and if it's plays, it's plays how long. And the cool thing about a podcast versus everything else is that ads that pop up randomly, I can get rid of. Ads that are a live read at any given time, like right now, this show is being broadcast in the Allstate Showcase Studio. There's your Allstate ad. See, you didn't think that was coming. None of you people thought that I was going to drop an ad on you, but I did. And you're going to remember it because you couldn't click by it past it, right? And so what I like about podcasts is that you can just drop your sponsors in any any given time. Um, but one of the metrics that I'm, I'm assuming based on his background, uh, Jake had a pretty extensive background in this, that... The metrics that they are going to be offering, and of course, you know, look on republic.co, not .com, republic.co slash, uh, what, what is the name of their company again? I just blanked. Radio Public. Radio Public. Republic.co slash Radio Public. That's so many publics. I just, I lost myself. Anyway, go there and look more into it because I, I my guess is that the analytics that they're rolling are telling you more about what's going on in in podcasts, like how long in a show someone listened. And if they can provide that information to guarantee to the sponsors that the people listening did in fact hear me drop the all state line, then the amount of money that I can collect from you 
will significantly change because the barrier of entry, not that you people listening care about this, but the barrier of entry for me and others like me in the podcast world has been that I can't sell sponsorship to somebody in a show that they go, well, is anyone listening? And I can't answer the question. I can tell you how many people clicked on it, but I, I don't know if they listened. So I, I think uh, it's really interesting to me, and I look forward to seeing. I, I think they're going to be successful, to be totally honest, because the whole time, and this is like, uh, I don't know what people are going to think about this. Maybe the WGM people won't like this, but I, I was thinking when he was talking about CBS Radio and that they own Radio.com, and that prior to him telling me that he was coming out of a radio background that he has, I was thinking, wow, this would be a great company to bring to Radio.com and have them actually make use of of this radio.com app, which is kind of a POS right now that could be this platform for podcasts, but it just doesn't, it's not new age. And then of course he drops on us that this company was spun out from another large company that does podcasts. It's like, okay, one, I feel more confident in what you're building. And two, uh, I think companies like CBS and radio radio.com thinks are going to have to have some worry because if he can crack the nut on how to calculate how long the show is listened to and then that brings value to the podcasters because it makes them more saleable and it brings value to the brands because it makes podcasting a a valuable vehicle for them and it's better for the listeners because they all can just consume it on demand oh that's going to be a huge success and so i guess the broad broad and the skinny here on this is is when i'm looking at startup companies this is what i look at you know obviously i know podcasting well because i come from this, this industry but when I look at startup companies, I want to know who's the founder. I want to know how disruptive is it? How realistic is it? How simple is it? Are the basic things there to make this successful? In this case, they are there. Uh, in this case, the founder is there. And in this case, obviously, the, the venture backing is there. As you heard him say, the New York Times is an investor. Uh, several other well-known studios are investors. Uh, this is an opportunity to pay attention to. So you've got my attention, you got my money. So uh, anyway, I want to say before we have one minute left before we take our, our break and then we'll have to kick to news and then I have an extra half an hour of show to play with, uh, which we'll do another uh, startup showcase. But for the next 30 seconds, I want to kick uh, to Sean on this one real quick. Yep. Uh, you know, what is a new to investing in startups? What about that? would turn you like what about that pitch would turn you into an, an investor or out of an investor okay so on the positive side of things this is one angle that we haven't touched on but their branding is really good yeah. uh, i'm looking at it right now it just looks like an official established uh startup we have go through a lot of startups sometimes the branding is like eh, it looks like you guys can use a, a overhaul but this one it looks real it looks established it looks welcoming uh, i'm on the republic page right now they have uh they beat their raise. Uh, their goal was twenty five thousand. They're at seventy six thousand. So those are two. How reasons. much time do they have left? Uh, we got fifty seven days right, to so go. We have a lot of, so these guys could raise literally like a half a million bucks. Shot past it. Yeah. So that's in its favor. Um, the negative. Uh, we already kind of touched on this, but it's just like how can you measure the value of what you're doing? Um, but that's about it. And you know, full transparency. We're always trying to get more audience members for our podcast. So, like, I want to see our show on here and see what it does on that platform. Well, we'll do that. We'll, we will. We will do that. So, but first, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with the news after this. But uh, you're listening to WGN Radio AM 720. I'm Scott Katoon. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, and this is my overtime thirty minutes of extra coverage. Uh, we are going to take our next guest immediately in this because I want to talk about a company and hear the pitch. And then I want to talk a little bit more with my crew here about the company and talk to you guys. If you have any calls, we'll leave you a little extra time. So we're going to jump right into it. Allison Lee, Hamster, CEO, founder. Uh, uh, Allison, are you on the line? Yeah, 
I'm on the line. Can you hear me fine? I can. Uh, so I hope the producer gave you kind of the rundown. I'm going to give you uh, about three minutes to give us the pitch great. on exactly what Hempster is, and then let's ask great. some questions. Sounds great. So hello, everyone. My name is Allison Lee. I'm the founder and CEO of Hempster. And we eliminate the most frustrating part of shopping, which is finding that perfect size by plugging our next-gen tailoring services right into your shopping journey. So let's think about how we shop today. We browse in-store or online, try our best to pick the closest size, but when we try on those clothes, they just don't fit us right. And that's not our fault, because 89% of U.S. population does, are, does not fit into the conventional small, medium, and large. So what do we do? we got to travel to a local tailor where the experience is very time-consuming and stressful, we have to pay in cash and negotiate for better rates and quicker turnaround time. And sometimes we're not even sure if the seamstress specializes in our garment. So current tailoring process is so exhausting that we often end up with piles of unwearable clothes in our closet with tags still on. And that's until Hemstar. So we bring the perfect fit to you no matter where you are in the shopping journey. We have partnered with the biggest mall operators, Westfield, Simon, GGP, and Mace Rich. So the shoppers can get fitted right in the dressing room as they try on the clothes. And no more frustrating trips to the outside tailors. And from our initial pilot with Westfield, we saw that Hemster benefits the entire ecosystem. For the mall operator, where we boosted their traffic and visitor engagement. And for the tailors, where we increased their monthly revenue. And for retailers, where we lifted their sales by 15%. We're now replicating this success nationwide with 400 premium mall locations in our launch waitlist. And what if you already have clothes in the closet? And Hempster can help there too. So we have also partnered with major residential properties like Christian Heights and Gray Star, so you can now customize anything and everything in your closet all at once. We're currently live in-store and in-home services in San Francisco, San Jose, and L.A., and planning to launch our services in um, New York and East Coast this fall. So as we expand nationally, Hemster is also learning about your perfect fit data to SKU level. That means that Hemster understands not just your body measurements, but your personalized style preferences as well. With this data, Hemster can finally bring the perfect fit to e-commerce, where the shoppers won't have to choose from pre-made sizes, but they will simply choose to customize everything to their specific sizes. Hemster is not just a tailoring company. We're bringing personalized sizes to off-the-rack inventory, and we're disrupting ready-wear one hem at a time. And right now, you can join us in that disruption um, on republic.com. Very cool. Well done. Uh, so I, I want to talk to you about a couple of things first off. like, So it, what sure. struck me about your pitch that was interesting to me is, and having heard you know a few pitches, you had about 350 of them now across the stage, um, Amazing for a company that's in the in the clothing industry to a, to attack the market through real estate. So it's, mm-hmm. that that's to correct. me is really unique to me. So tell me a little bit about the journey to choosing that because everybody else we've ever had on stage, it's not even it's not really even the same business as you're in, but it's similar in that they're trying right. to create sort of this personalized uh, clothing solution. If you've got a bunch of clothes that you don't wear anymore, etc., which would definitely be my fiance. Right. The entire closet is full no, of bags. Uh, but no, none, of them, none of them go the approach of like doing real estate. They go to the store yeah. and you did real estate. Tell yep. me about that. 
Yeah, that's a great question. So we actually started very in the beginning. We actually started as like an e-commerce alteration services. And we saw that a lot of people, there's a huge user error in terms of understanding your measurements and um, your sizes in general. So we saw that we have to be um, present present at brick and mortar level for us to collect the right data. So then we thought about how can we make our services very available to the retailers and the shoppers all at the same time. And we saw that working with individual retailers is great, but it takes a really long time for us to set up. So we saw that cluster of retailers, the best clusters are basically the great A malls that we're partnering up with. The biggest, you know, 100 biggest malls in America. So we see that 80 retailers are all in the same mall. So by partnering with these malls, we are basically partnering up with these premium retailers that would have taken us to develop relationships with over um, only 12 months. So that's why we chose brick and mortar to be our go-to-market strategy to collect that data um, through our alteration services and then plugging that data back into the e-commerce to ensure the quality and accuracy that we're seeing in um, physical world. And then also, so like on that note, like what what kind of alterations are are typical? Because like I... I right. actually have bought like clothing. My, my fiance is literally texting right now. She's listening to this. I, <laughs> I, I have bought clothing that doesn't fit me. Like I buy like pants. Right. Like oh, I'll lose yep. weight and get into it. Or I buy stuff like I like it. <laughs> like, but I, I regret so it immediately usually because I never make the weight. And that's just a story of my life. But at any rate, you know, what is the typical alteration for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So we see that from our retailer relationships, we see a lot of moderate alterations, meaning that it's only about like shortening length or tapering a little bit on the legs. But if you um, use us through the residential properties, let's say that we get a lot more complicated alterations, like reconstructing like a blazers, or even we do bridal um, and groomsmen fittings as well, because a lot of the times like the local tailoring relationship or the market itself is such a time consuming experience that if you can actually have it fitted inside of your own closet, then you can get, everything and anything done all at once. So, so, so we, I think that so we got is- we only have a minute a, a minute and change left here. I want to ask one final question is like the actual sure. use case. So in the mall or in the residential, how do I use Hamster? Yeah, so in the mall, you don't have to do anything. So as the store associate kind of sees you and you'll notice our mirror stickers in the fitting room that says if you need alterations, Hamster will take care of that and you just ask the store associates and they will fit you right then and there. Um, for the residential purposes, you can um, book an appointment through our through our website, and our fitter will actually travel to your closet um, when the appointment works. Very and cool. we guarantee a seven-day turnaround. Awesome. I, I really like it. I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's a spot that... It has for me at least i don't you know i don't know what i'm doing mm-hmm. for almost everything particularly domestically <laughs> right, exactly. so like when i see a sticker that says i do this that's helpful to me so very cool uh and lastly where do people go again to invest or to at least learn more about the opportunity yeah of course so if you go to republic.co slash hemster you can see our deal page um that's live currently and you can actually join us as we're disrupting readywear one hem at a time very cool. And the last text comes in from the fiance wants to know how much money, what is the price range for these alterations? Yeah, so we're very market competitive because we're able to streamline the process. So anything, the regular hem starts at $10 and it can go anyway up to um, 60 if you're doing something crazy with your blazers. But um, compared to anywhere else, let's say like Nordstrom's or 
you know, any other in-store alterations, we are actually cheaper than any other options. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming in and taking the time to, to tell us about Hempster. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Uh, so that is Hempster. Uh, as she said, you can go to republic.co backslash Hempster. Campaign is open, raising capital. I think somebody already dropped 15000 on this, which is pretty crazy. Uh, you can do the same, not saying you have to or should, but uh, it's exciting stuff to see companies like this uh, popping up from all over the world, all over the country for sure, that uh, call into the show. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will come back and reflect a little bit on Hempster, as well as startups in general and what to look for when you're investing. So I'm Scott Gatoon. You're listening to WGN AM 720. I'm sorry. I'm like I'm so hungry right now, and I just bacon just gets me every single time. I'll eat bacon. I'll eat bacon, bacon. I'll have a BLT is just bacon, bacon, and bacon. Uh, anyway, I digress. We are doing a show here, and I don't want to waste all my my free extra time talking about bacon. Although bacon is the best, you could do it. Yeah, I mean, we absolutely we should have a startup that just gives Scott more bacon. My guys are sitting here. I spend most of the week with them, and they know the amount of BLTs that are consumed. In our, you've been cutting back. I've noticed you've been. I got a wedding a around the corner. Healthy, yeah, I got a wedding around the corner, so the BLTs have taken a taken a back seat, although only barely, because uh, you get me anywhere near a BLT, and that's just. I'm insane. seeing chicky salads. You, <laughs> yeah, that's what I see you eating. That's well, see, you know, it's but the dressing will get you though. That's mm, the thing. I, I still end up gorging on dressing, although I've switched to just you know olive oil and vinegar. So maybe it's a little or vinaigrette. I should say. Uh, the Italians rubbing off on you. Well, yeah, I spent a little time in Italy and I came back like, huh, I can get fat in a less terrible way. Mm. Um, so we've gone off the rails here. We were actually talking to, about a, a startup called Hamster that just called in and pitched, and you can invest in Republic.co backslash Hamster. You can also just register on Republic and figure out how to connect your accounts and make money down the road by investing in startups which i call it unicorn hunting i think it's kind of cool uh we talk about it obviously on the show a lot of so if you're a regular listener you know i won't give you the spiel you can just go to republic and they'll spiel you up uh again uh talk to us on facebook and twitter at technori instagram at technori follow us, snapchat we did a little spectacles piece earlier follow us there at technori um i guess i want to get the feedback from my guys here on what they thought of hemster because I, I think it's funny because none of us it would appear uh, do a whole lot of paying attention to our clothing and to our sizes of clothing. I'm wearing a shirt that I got in like, uh, I think I got it when I was in last year at Marquette. Like that's how long <laughs> it was like 2006 is when I got this Hollister shirt that I never wore ever. And then I started wearing for no reason recently and I like it and it's old and whatever. But uh, what were your in- immediate thoughts and takeaways from, uh, from hamster i'm gonna go look at twitter and anyone who writes anything on there i will read it aloud if you'd like uh, on your feedback anyone who knows more than me help us because we don't know anything about our clothing sam what do you think well my initial thought was you know maybe i always like traditionally use the excuse that i need to get back in shape to fit into the clothes i want to yeah me too maybe it doesn't this work. this maybe this is the solution we just let the pants out <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, you know just ah, it didn't work yeah, ex- extended a little bit with a little 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 hamster, a little o- a little overtime, a little hamster overtime. Um, anything off the off the, you know, off the top for you, Sean? That stood out. Uh, well, the first thing that came to mind was I've never. Well, I mean, coming from like the guy's perspective, we're not really brought up to think about our clothes too much. So, like hearing about what it's like on the other side of the counter at the dry cleaners or the tailors i just see those mountains of bags and i must think like a lot of those clothes must go to waste so i think it's a good cause to promote to get more fit clothes for people and to make it more accessible to get fit clothes because i don't want to wear potato sacks for the rest of my life well i'll leave it to sean to actually point out that there is some humanity 
would like to actually take a human approach to this. Um, so I, 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 I'm, we get a comment here regarding in particular uh, the use case of like Nordstrom's as an example, and she mentioned it in the in the pitch that Nordstrom's is kind of a comp. And in my crazy, you know, first world suburban problems world, I'm like, oh, well, if Nordstrom's, if you have a Nordstrom's car, you don't have to pay for alterations and tailoring. And Sam in the break brought up the point that like not every brand is at Nordstrom's, though most of the ones that I wear there. And I was like, you know, what a like super pretentious rich kid thing to say and think about to like be like, well, who doesn't shop at Nordstrom's? I mean, duh. And it's like, oh, actually, it's probably like Nordstrom's is probably like 10% of the shoppers. I have no idea. But it seems like an expensive store to me. I loved all of Nordstrom's policies. Return policy is the best. But like, for anyone who doesn't shop at Nordstrom's, you do have to get alterations. If you do get alterations, or you don't, you just don't wear custom clothing. I guess uh, the prices that she threw out there ten bucks, like ten to fifty bucks, is not terrible. I mean, I, I don't think it's that bad. So it's you know, I guess Sam kind of jokingly was like, "Well, what do you do if you don't go to Nordstrom's?" And the answer was, "I guess you use Hemster." What I don't, I don't, what are your what are your thoughts on this? I don't. It, it just it opens up something I never really thought about. I mean, kind of going to Sean's point, like I never thought to to get my my clothes hemmed or like you know made a little more personalized or customized. I'd always just go for a medium, yeah, or a medium. Rolling with that medium, right? But I mean, it kind of opens up uh, the idea if you're you know you're not shopping at Nordstrom's, you're shopping at any other store in these malls that they're they're in. Um, there's a lot more uh, opportunity to like try different clothes and try something that doesn't quite fit. Use Hemster and it and it fits you again. Like or it's... or you know it just it, it fits, but it doesn't fit great. Like mm-hmm. for me, I, I am moving into this. Speaking of pretentiousness, I am moving into this like tailored world. Well, you I are prefer a great example. Fancy, yeah. we, we've talked about this in private. Let's let's talk about it in public. Let's do. Oh boy. You know? oh, oh, I don't you know, know what's coming. Scotcatoon Sc- is a you know a large man. You know, six three. Powerful. Yeah, you know, I prefer powerful. Very fun- thunderous thighs. <laughs> Thank you. And yes, I do. Wow. He has a lot of you know challenges uh, trying to fit into traditional uh, fitting pants. I do. Yeah, this and is true. This that is... And, and also arms too. Like I have a hard time with dress shirts. Usually the neck size is not the same as the arm. You know, because you got not, guns. I got. It's a dude. Yeah, Sons and I saw some of those cutoff photos. Yeah. Oh, boom! All over it. But yeah. So I mean, as a as a test case, like maybe, maybe you do all your shopping in Nordstrom's, but let, yeah. let's just say you want to go off the beaten path, and it's not really that unbeaten. There's like fifty other fifty thousand yeah. yeah. other stores. Um, would you consider using a service like this to fit into another brand's clothing? So this is also kind of a business question here too, because the reality is, yes, I would, and I wouldn't have thought of it until now. I, I, I've been talking about this just recently with, with Jen at home about the fact that it's time for some new clothing. And I am, my immediate thought was Taylor first. I was like, oh, I'll call my Taylor guy and have more suits and dress shirts and stuff made. And I'll look at like zip fit jeans who we've had on the show here and tie bar who we've had on the show here and ask him like, oh, you guys do tailoring. Uh, I know that they do. And you can have like sort of tailored shirts and tailored jeans and other stuff like that, which I like. Um, but that's expensive. And I'm going, like, I'm immediately going this, like, highest p- price route, Trunk Club, now owned by Nordstrom's, but whatever. Uh, I'm going higher cost. When in reality, if my problem truly is that I just can't find the most comfortable fitting stuff, is there a way for me to go, well, I'll just go to a normal store, buy some jeans that are the right fit width-wise, but they're a little longer than normal, and take them to a hamster and have them 10 bucks and zip them up, and I've got a pair of jeans that are tailored, or roughly speaking tailored. The same thing with, like, shirts and coats and things. Where things go south for people like me 
is, as she mentioned, you can go up to like 50, 60 bucks if you're splitting a coat. I could find myself, because of the, the dimensions that I have, spending more money on top of the shirt or coat to tailor it properly than I would have just going the tailored route. Sure. That said, uh, let's talk about the business application here because I, your question brings up an entire market of people that this potentially could serve. And I thought that, that Allison did a really nice job of expressing and explaining the fact that you could... Truthfully, you could provide the same stupid to some people and maybe shallow, but it, it really isn't. If you really think about it, there's something, if you've ever had the luxury of wearing tailored clothing, it feels better. And that is something that most people don't have the luxury to experience. And there are people who are short, skinny, tall, fat, whatever, who have to wear uncomfortable clothing and, and feel self-conscious about it because they don't look right and they know it and they don't feel right and they know it. And Having the ability to buy clothing, especially if you're a big big fella, going to a, like a double X store, it's already got a moniker. That I get to wear this shirt or pants, and it's going to be this big boxy, goofy looking tube looking clothing because I'm a big fella, and I would like to look not or not, not even look. I'd like to feel good, and so Hemster actually potentially brings the ability for people to experience a little bit more tailored, comfortable feeling at a not ridiculous cost. That's interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, you you see clothes that you like all the time. And then, you know, if you're self-conscious, you'll be like, you know what? I'm not going to buy that because it's not going to look good on me. Or even worse, there's nothing worse than this. You buy a piece of clothing and you go home and you try it on and you fat. know you're not wearing that for another yeah. six months or and, however and long the, it's going to take. And the key here is that, like, you would you would not buy something, probably not buy something in tailored unless it was marginally, you know, fit uh but the stuff that you wear and you bought you paid for do you just do you just throw it out or do you do you have someone for 10 bucks let it out and i I think it's i think that's interesting so for me again to to the audience this is what i'm looking for you know as an investor and and a person who brings startups to the table this is what i'm looking for i'm looking for companies that have you know a couple of unique things one i think allison was was very well spoken i I did not in truth spend a lot of time looking at her background i will definitely do that before i decide whether or not i'm going to invest but i will say uh, her pitch was good. I thought that she has a product that has a person who needs it. I thought that it brings uh, a solution to the masses. So it is technically could be something that a lot of people could like and use. And the other part that I thought was really fascinating about it was the choice to go the route of real estate. She knew that competing with stores and telling stores we're going to do this and offer this. Every store says, well, yeah, we offer tailoring, of course, but no one does it because they have to pay an arm and a leg for it. She brought the ability to go to malls and homeowners and provide them with a way to save money. And that to me, or a way to make money, and, and the people who shop and live there, a way to save money. So that's unique. Uh, whether or not I invest in it yet, I'm not sure. I'm going to do a little bit more research. Um, but that, of course, is because I don't know as much about it as I did as, as podcasting with Radio Public. So anyway, uh, it's been very fun taking this time with you guys. 